there, and welcome in to another edition of the Sacramento State Hornets Stingers Up Football Podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and what a week it is and was for the Sacramento State Hornets. Big game coming up Saturday against Colorado State. Hornets have moved up a spot in the rankings in both polls to six and seven, depending on uh, which poll you look at, and they're coming off just a thrilling win in a tough place to play in Cedar Falls, Iowa, against Northern Iowa, getting a little revenge and just a nice, complete victory. So today on the podcast, we not only look back at that game, had a chance to catch up with the commissioner of the Big Sky, Tom Wistersill, who was at the game, and I talked to him at halftime. Maybe not all of you had a chance to hear that, so I want you to hear that conversation. Uh, of course, there is a big game this week against Colorado, uh, Colorado State, excuse me, and we will preview that with a look back at some of the other memorable moments the Hornets have ever had when they've played up at the FBS. So lots of things to cover. So let's just dive right into it and go to last week's game at Northern Iowa. A productive trip for the Hornets, making the trip halfway across country there to the Midwest to take on Northern Iowa. And it was really a good day for the Sacramento State Hornets. So let's look back at it. And it started uh, with a really good day for both quarterbacks, certainly. But for Asher O'Hara, he got it going early, put the Hornets ahead with his first of three rushing touchdowns second and goal from the three yard line and a scoreless first quarter six and a half to play here in cedar falls iowa scadaboo goes in motion snap comes into o'hara he's going to keep it runs up the middle goes airborne his line carries him pushes him over the goal line touchdown hornets well one of the concerns by playing northern iowa was their ability to get the ball downfield uh theo day their quarterback was a quarterback that coach uh defensive coordinator and defensive coach andy thompson had said before the game that, you know, they're not going to see a guy that has a better arm than Theo Day. And Theo Day was good. And he responded after the Hornets went up 7 nothing with a drive downfield, 10 plays, 75 yards, and he found his tight end in the end zone to tie the game. On second and 15 in scoring range, he's going to keep it himself, looks to throw deep over the middle towards the end zone, caught! It is a touchdown. Threading the needle, that's the tight end again, Alex Allen. We talked about the big arm from Theo Day. That was on display right there. It's now 7-6. Well, speaking of tight ends, the Hornets have a pretty good one themselves. Marshall Martin continues to add to his stellar Hornet career, a great start to his season. And the Hornets, what they do so well after they gave up that score, they responded. So after it was 7-7 after one, we kind of bridge a drive that started at the end of the first quarter into the early part of the second quarter, and Jake Dunaway would find Marshall Martin. Two left, two right, including Marshall Martin, stud tight end. He's going to go in. The route, he's wide open in the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown, Sacramento State Hornets. I don't know why I spotted him from the get-go, Steve, but they did not. Touchdown, Hornets. Now, adding on would be paramount. Getting separation, something the Hornets hadn't done as of yet. Up just 7-0, then up here 14-7. Now they would tack on a little bit more as uh, they extend the lead to two scores with a nine-play, 52-yard drive, a quick response as Asher O'Hara goes in from three yards out. First and goal, O'Hara will keep it. Veers left, darts right, he's in. Touchdown, a punishing hit up high, but Asher O'Hara goes in for a score. Well, the very next series, the Hornet defense became opportunistic, so they extended the lead to 21-7, and then just a a play or two into that next drive. It was a big day for Marte Mapu. He forced a fumble. It was then recovered by Prince Washington, so the Hornets now certainly gaining momentum here and trying to add on to their 21-7 21-7 lead, and they would do that. And it was great to see this, the the reliability, the strong leg, and to get him back 
It was another good day, too, for Kyle Sinkowski. Well, here's where the Hornets, you know, Kyle Sinkowski's brilliant. Missed two kicks, though, last week, so you know he'd like to respond. We mentioned Stutz is the holder. Snap comes down, kick on the way, has plenty of distance, and it is good. Kyle Sinkowski hits his 22nd career field goal for Sacramento State. They get three points on the board. So 24-7 at the half. Hornets feeling pretty good. Certainly haven't iced the game away, but in a pretty good position. They felt like there were moments where they could have extended the lead even more, but instead it was you and I, uh, the Panthers, that would respond in the third quarter first, and they would score to make it a 10-point game. We talked earlier about the Hornets responding after scores by Northern Iowa. Well, Sacramento State would move the ball again. Six plays, 30 yards. Couldn't quite finish the deal in a scoring drive with a touchdown, but when you've got a weapon like Kyle Sinkowski, it would work to extend the lead. Now, Kyle Sinkowski on for a 30-yard field goal try from the right hash. Sinkowski has made one earlier. Snap comes in, ball placed down, kick on the way, has the distance, and it is true and good. Kyle Sinkowski drills another one. Sacramento State extends the lead to 27-14. to Well, this game had its sense of nerves to it for Hornet fans. It wasn't going to be easy. Hornets were leading 27-14, and then Northern Iowa would go on a nine-play, 75-yard drive, cap it with this touchdown, and make it 27-21. First and goal at the three, Vance McShane is the tailback. Theo Day on first down. Gives to McShane. McShane pinballs to the outside. He's going to get the edge, and he gets into the end zone. Touchdown, Northern Iowa. He was hit in the backfield, bounced off the defense, veered to the left, saw the purple paint of the end zone. He found it for a score. So we go into the fourth, 27-21. The Hornets certainly haven't iced the game away at all. In fact, they would not score on their next series. So for the first time all game, Northern Iowa had a chance with the ball to take their first lead. The defense came up big there, gave it back to the offense, and then it was the special teams and Kyle Sinkowski that would extend the lead. So here we go, a critical kick for Kyle Sinkowski. Right hash, 33-yard try. Excuse me, get a 38-yard try. Snap is down, the kick is on the way, and it is good! He finessed it through there. It looked like it was just slowly climbing through the air, but it goes through the uprights, and the Hornets go up nine. So 30-21 to 21 at the moment. Game is not over. Let's put it back on the defense. This drive is going way too fast for the Hornets' liking. It started at 3.33. We've just crawled under the three-minute mark, and they're already to the Hornet 27. Oh, we might have movement on the left side. No call. Pass. Intercepted. Mapu could be a house call. He's got to beat Theo Day. He will beat Theo Day. He'll stop. He'll cut back. Cuts again, cuts a third time, and he is brought down inside the 20. But Marte Mapu didn't get the pick six, but he got a critical interception that should ice the football game. We had mentioned earlier Marte Mapu was significant in this game. Uh, the Hornets then would ultimately cap that drive with one more score. Second and goal from the two. O'Hara is the QB. He will get the snap. He will veer left. He'll get in. He gets a touchdown for Sacramento State. So the Hornets win 37-21. Certainly a productive day, as we mentioned, for Sacramento State. Anytime you can go on the road and get a win, it's great. Well, that's the Hornets' 10th consecutive regular season win under Coach Troy Taylor. It is the uh, t- against the FCS on the road. They are 10-0, and just some staggering numbers that they've been able to pull off so far. 
Dunaway threw for 199 and a score. Asher O'Hara threw for 55 yards, but ran for 69 and three or 66 and three more scores. Cameron Scadaboo another day over 100 yards with 110. Fulcher was good with three uh, three carries for 11 yards, but a career high nine catches for 61. Marshall Martin had that touchdown we aired earlier. Uh, six catches for 76 yards. Pierre Williams for four for 45 and Scadaboo five. For 44, all the way around, very, very good. Broussard led the team in tackles with nine. Mapu, Killian Roscoe there with seven each. So it needed to be a collective effort. It was a collective effort and a really nice win for Sacramento State, taking out Northern Iowa again by the final of 37 to 21. Now, at the game, it was a great opportunity because the Big Sky Commissioner, Tom Wistersill, was in attendance and he likes to check out each team if he can. And here's a Missouri Valley football conference versus the Big Sky. And I had a chance to catch up with the commissioner at half. Thought you'd enjoy this conversation. You made the trip. You are from Iowa, is that right? Or you spent I, a lot of time I in Iowa? I spent most of my growing up years as a little kid in Iowa on the west side of the state. So I was able to uh, fly into Minneapolis, see some friends yesterday for lunch, get down here, see some friends here in Iowa, and uh, and also cheer on uh, Sac State here. Yeah. So stingers up here for stingers the first up. half. Look at that. You've got well, representing go. the conference as the conference commissioner. So... And there's also probably some pride for you. I mean, these are the two best conferences, Missouri Valley, Big Sky, and right now, Big Sky's doing well. Yeah, exactly. You know, every year, and and we talk about it, whether it's presidents, ADs, football coaches, we need to schedule these games, the home-and-homes with the best teams in the Valley. Um, You know, and so, you know, coming on the road and playing well is, it's really important for us as we look ahead to the future. You know, you never want to look too far ahead. But nonetheless, you know, the goal in our conference is to win a national title. And you do that by winning non-conference games and then doing well in the conference so you get a good seed for the playoffs. So it's all the building blocks of that process. And for you, this day is probably easier because you know you're rooting for the Hornets. When it's the Hornets in eastern Washington, you're kind of going right down the middle. I cheer for the officials then. Oh, come on. You're the only one. I'm the only one. And the (laughs) officials know that. So here I can get on the officials a little bit from the sideline. But uh, in conference games, I'm firmly in their camp. And all their calls are correct then in the conference. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the conference. It's really good. And, you know, Sac State's finally there. They hadn't been there. We've done this so long. In the last two years, they won the conference. Montana, Montana State, Eastern, what Weber's done, Davis. But then, you, you, I mean, Cal Poly, will be, it just it's loaded, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. Um, you know, again, I, I say we're the best, top to bottom, the best conference in the country. We haven't won the national title recently. We need yeah. to do that. But nonetheless, top to bottom, I think what's what's really uh, underrated in our league is how hard it is to win on the road. Agreed. Um, you know, we have elevation changes mm-hmm. with some people playing in the dome, some people playing in the winter. The wind's blowing hard at some of the places. It's just really hard to consistently win on the road in our league, and that helps the teams as they get ready for the playoffs. So it's it's a great conference to be a part of. Um, you know, and, and the, the distances apart you know, cause some travel issues once in a while, but we feel really good about where we're at with our 10 full-time members and, and the two affiliates in California for football. The sport is constantly changing. You know that better than anybody, the dynamics, but I think probably in the long term for the better. What's I don't even know if there's a next for the Big Sky because it's in a good spot, but as you look forward, what do you like to see from the conference? Yeah, you know, for us it's about continuing to expand our, our, our reach from a media perspective. The move to ESPN Plus has been really, really good for us as a league. We need to look. We want more games on their linear networks. We get two right now. Yep. We're the only only conference in FCS to get those games on. And so that's really exciting for us to have that. But it's the continued expansion of that so our coaches can go recruit. 
the best student athletes possible. In the end, that's what it comes down to is how can we help our schools so they can recruit and, and uh, be the best programs they can. So how did that come about? The Hornets are one of those. They're playing Montana at home, uh, 8 o'clock game, national TV, ESPN2. It's super exciting. How does that how did you get that to happen? Yeah, we work um, on the front end. We is a negotiation with ESPN, and then when it comes to the selection process, we sit down with them and look at our whole schedule. You know, they have a very complex matrix they have to get all their games on that they are contracted for, and so then we look at you know what are the best matchups that we can that we can have, um, and then you know of course they like the West Coast games because they can put them on at you know eight seven eight o'clock local time. East Coast, it's late, but nonetheless, as, I said, as I've said many times, every bar in America has the games on. Right. So they're going to look up there and be like, oh, Sac State's playing Montana. Wow, that's cool. And they'll look and watch the game, just like last year the game was at Eastern Washington, so the red field was on. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a negotiation with ESPN that you know, we try to, again, look at our best matchups and what, what the most meaningful games, uh, what's going to showcase what the big sky's all about. Yeah. And they want great matchups too. You know? So like the game I mentioned last year, that Eastern Montana game went down to the last play of the game, a tipped ball in the end zone, you know, and uh, so everybody in the country is watching that game, even if it is midnight on yeah. the East Coast uh, because you're glued to it. So um, that's what makes it fun. And I know the other one's UC Davis, Montana State. So, I mean, there's just a, such a great showcase for the league. And I feel like Steve and I sometimes have to defend the FCS, but I don't feel like that has to happen as much anymore. Last week, uh, Weber, what they did to Utah State, Montana a year ago at Washington. The Hornets have had some wins. Davis against Tulsa. Hornets are going to Colorado State next week. The, the gap isn't very large, is it? Not not from the from the top of the FCS to the lower lower part of the G the, yeah. the G five. The the gap's not that big. And there's even some Power Five that you just yeah. mentioned that we can win as well. Um, you know, there's great football players everywhere, and so it comes down to recruiting and coaching. Um, I think the group of coaches we have in the Big Sky, I'd put up against anybody in the country. And, uh, you know, we have great coaches, some that coached at the upper levels and have come down, some that came up through the Power Five and have come to be their first time head coaching like Troy. Yeah. And, uh, and so what you see is you see great coaches, and that's why they can prepare and get a team ready so that when they do go play at Colorado State or, you know, like yeah. what Weber did, drove up the road an hour right. and a half and really, really took them. it to Utah yeah. State um, because they're well coached, they're ready to go, and uh, it's fun. It's what, it's, that's, what makes, uh, that's what makes football great is on any given day, right, 60 minutes, somebody's got to do it. Now, we're not going to go beat Alabama or Georgia, but, but that's not what we're trying to right. do, right? Yeah. We're trying to prepare our teams for the conference schedule so that when, when the selection committee looks back at Weber State mm -hmm. and they're neck and neck with a Northern Iowa for a spot in the playoffs, they go, wow, look what Weber did at Utah State. Yeah. So it's all, all part of those building blocks we talk about. So you got a wide variety of background in college football. Why was the Big Sky the right job for you? Yeah, you know, I was, um, I was an athletic director at the University of Akron for six years. I worked at two Power Five schools at Minnesota and Wisconsin. And uh, I was a commissioner in my 20s uh, when I, at Division II. And uh, I loved the conference. Just work. five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Just five years <laughs> yeah. ago, yeah. So, um, so when the Big Sky, I've been here almost four years now. So when the Big Sky opportunity came, came open, I really looked at it as, you know, if you looked at the history and strength of the conference, it was like, wow, this is really a really good situation. And, uh, and so that's why when I was, you know, when I was uh, Robert Nelson, the president of Sac State, was the chair of the search committee. Yep. And so I was fortunate that he gave me the call and uh, wanted me to be the commissioner. So um, it's been a great ride. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we have great people. Our presidents are a wonderful group of people that care about the right things. You know, in this crazy time in college athletics where things way above us are trying to get sorted out, 
I like to think we have the right balance between athletics and academics. It's what we do. We can still play highly competitive Division I athletics, send multiple pros into the NFL every year. We can do that. Um, but we have the right balance, and I'm really proud of that. Last year, conference gets five teams in. That was amazing. You uh, pushing for six and seven. Hey, and we, you always got to grow. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's get six in. So, you know, we'll see. You know, you never can predict too far right. ahead. But, um, you know, I'd put the upper half of our conference. They all, deserve, they all deserve playoffs. They all deserve to be ranked. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're going to knock each other off during the year. But that's why, back to the non-conference games, we got to win those games. So then those conference head-to-head matchups don't hurt us as much in the national rankings. So you told me before you came on that you try to get to every school, which is a challenge. That's hard to do. We got you. Are we getting you in Sacramento any time, or is that going to be you a You know, I one? haven't looked that far ahead okay. yet. Um, my goal is to see every team in person. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I'm sure I'll see you at somewhere yeah. down the road. I don't know if it'll be at Sac, but yeah. – uh, but I always love coming there, and uh, when it's not too smoky, the games are yeah. the games are wonderful there. Yeah. So, um, you know, no, I'm I'm excited. I might be there on the uh, ESPN. Uh, okay, the Montana night. game. Yeah, we'll see that because right. uh, you know, I mean, you know, depending upon how that plays out, I don't remember the exact date of that game. I'm not sure if yeah. you do either, but you know, nonetheless, it'll 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 be very very meaningful in the conference race. Yeah, late well, October, October yeah. 22nd, I it mean, could be you know, that, huge you know, impact. It'll be it'll be big impact on that, yeah. whether it's national rankings or playoff seeding, or or to the top of the conference. Yeah. Who knows? But, um, you know, like I said, I love coming to our conference games and, uh, you know, I guess our, with our teams and how much football means to each of them. It's really special. Well, Tom, thank you so much. That's Commissioner Tom Wistersill. Uh, and you said stingers up. So we've got you for today. We've got you as a Hornet for today. I love non-conference games because I can cheer for our teams yes. and, and get on the officials a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so. I saw you on the sideline. Yeah. on the Hornet sideline. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the there, right side. So. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, there was the commissioner, Tom Wistersill. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation that I had with him last week at Northern Iowa's halftime show. All right, so let's get into this week. The next matchup, the final game for the Hornets before they get into Big Sky play, and they're playing up at the FBS level, getting the Rams of Colorado State. Let's take a little closer look at what Colorado State has done. This was a team that some had some better expectations for going into the year. They were picked fourth in the Mountain West Division, but did get a first-place vote. That's in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, you had Boise State ahead of them, Air Force, Utah State, and then there they are at Colorado State. A, a program that has had a good past, but it's been a little shaky as of late. And part of their problem has been the instability at head coach. They do bring in Jay Norvell. He's their 24th head coach in school history, but he's their fourth in the last nine seasons. Now, I think the Hornets have good timing as far as getting Colorado State now in year one under Jay Norvell, I think under year two, three, four, uh, they're going to be far better if you look at his track record of what he did at the University of Nevada. They've got much better facilities at Colorado State, and I think it's only a matter of time before they get better. But right now, they're in a bad way. They lost a bunch of games to end last year. They've lost all three games so far this year, and they haven't even scored in the first half. So it, it's been a difficult beginning for them. Michigan got him big time, 53-7. to seven. You had Middle Tennessee State in the uh, home opener for Colorado State, beating them 34-19. to And then last week, Washington State handled them pretty easily, 38-7. to If you look at what they're going through, they're playing a freshman quarterback. They are also in a situation where their offensive line hasn't been able to protect their quarterback and their team. They've had a 23 sacks allowed in three weeks. Now, the Hornets have had a ton of quarterback hurries and hits, not as many sacks, two sacks per week. But with Sacramento State being number one in the nation in turnover ratio uh, with six turnovers in two weeks and no turnovers for themselves, if they can 
continue to get after the football, create havoc plays like they like to do, I think they can find themselves in a pretty good spot to pull off an upset. But this Colorado State team will be the favorite. They should be the favorite team. The Hornets are getting money to play them, and it's going to be a difficult challenge. But with that said, we thought we'd look back and kind of uh, reflect on some great moments in the Hornets playing up. This is uh, since 2002. The Sacramento State has played up a level at the FBS and overall, they've got a record of two wins and 22 losses. But I got to say, the two wins are pretty sweet. And we thought we'd look back at the first time the Hornets ever did that, the, the two times, two years in a row. But the first time ever was when they went to Corvallis and they defeated Oregon State. The last overtime game for Sacramento State. Last year, Montana State, one of the most wild games we've ever seen. Hornets were getting blown out, came all the way back, took the lead, actually and then lost eventually in overtime. Oregon State never saw this one coming. 27.5-point favorites. They're in a fight. We're in overtime. First possession of OT, and it's Mannion back under center at the 25-yard line. Agnew, who's two yards away from a 200-yard day. No game clock, just play clock. Overtime, first play of the OT. We're tied at 21. Fake end around. Handoff to Agnew up the middle. He squirts through and gains eight yards on first down to the 17-yard line. And again, no major, major long runs for Agnew, but it's seven, eight, nine, ten yards a pop. Very, very good day. Very for him. impressive. He was the guy that I circled in the media guide because they said he might start with the injuries they've had and true freshman, and he missed part of last year in high school because he was injured. So 206 for Andrew Malcolm, who has been fabulous today here for Oregon State. Second down and two. Here's Mannion handing off to Agnew again. He cuts free. He's open. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He's to the end zone. Touchdown, Oregon State. Two plays and another score, and Agnew can't be stopped. He had all 25 yards on that score. Wide open seam up the middle. And the first 200-yard rusher allowed by the Hornets since 2003. Wow, Agnew, that was impressive. 17-yard touchdown run. His third touchdown of the game. So Oregon State takes the lead. It's not sudden death. It's 27-21. They'll try the extra point. This obviously is important because the Hornets would hope to have Romaine miss this and then have an opportunity to score, kick the extra point, and win the game. Beavers are late to get their players on the field. Well, they had an injury on that play. One of their, uh, their center actually limped off the field. And now they quickly get their extra lineman on the field. Play clock's down to six. As Romain on for the extra point, his last kick hit the upright to prevent them from winning. The kick is up. It's good. So Sac State knows what they have to do. They've got to get a touchdown to force a second overtime. Beavers take two plays, and they score. It's now 28-21 Oregon State. Hornets will get the ball at the same 25-yard line. It's pretty simple. I mean, there's, you're not thinking about field goals anymore. you got four downs on every series here to try to get back in the end zone. So the largest lead of the game for Oregon State. Their only other lead was 3-0. Hornets then took a 7-3 lead, 14-3 at the half, 14-6 early third, 21-6 after three quarters, and then 15 straight points in the fourth quarter by Oregon State. Tied the game, and they score first in overtime, 28-21. So the entire offensive unit around the head coach and offensive coordinator, Marshall Spurbeck. That's Fleming and Reed, Maciel, Hilliard. And Chase Deatter out on the field. A lot of the skilled players there for Sacramento State. This crowd wants the victory now. The Beavers have come all the way back. They're in overtime. 28-21. Hornets trail. 
Fleming rolls right, stops, throws back across the body into traffic. Diving attempt in the end zone, incomplete. Boy, a dangerous double coverage throw. Deatter nearly got it incomplete. Beavers are very conscious of Deatter, who has two touchdown catches in the game, and he was double covered in the middle of the end zone, coming across from right to left. So the Hornets certainly going for it on first down, not trying to just piece their way to the end zone. They throw it right into the middle of the post on the first play. Second down and 10. Again, no time on the game clock here in overtime. Oregon State has already scored to take their lead here in OT. Can the Hornets match? Second and 10 from the 25. Two receivers right, one to the left. That's Reed to the near side. Fleming gets the hike. Back to throw. Looks right. Throws to the far sideline. Caught by Deatter. Turns the corner. 20 stretches. He'll be short of the first down. Referees mark him out. Actually, all the way to the 16. Third and one coming up for the Hornets. Third and a long one for Sacramento State. Obviously, punts are not a factor in overtime. You get four downs to get 10 yards. That's why college football overtimes are so exciting. Start at the 25-yard line, and you get four tries to get that first down. Third down and one. I, not an I formation, single back formation with Brian Hilliard. Again, more pistol offense for Fleming. On third and one, Hornets need the new set of downs. They'll delay, give to Hilliard. Hilliard has the first down, bounces to the outside, and stretches forward inside the 10 to the 7-yard line. First and goal, Sacramento State. Steve, probably the best run today for Hilliard. Explosive runoff right tackle for Hilliard and broke a tackle and carried another defender. And the Hornets have struggled with the run game on what can only be called a fabulous offensive day. Yep. But uh, running just 70 yards for Sacramento. Four cracks at it now from the seven-yard line. They need a touchdown and an extra point to force a second overtime. You could go for two, but that's a conversation for a little bit later. See if the Hornets can get in the end zone. First and goal at the seven. Beavers lead here in overtime, 28-21. Deatter's in the slot. Brandon Reed here to the left. Ball's at the right hash at the seven-yard line. Hilliard's the tailback. Fleming gets the call. Fleming's going to keep it. He rolls right. He's going to try to turn the corner. Throws late to the back of the end zone too high. Boy, a lot of contact and coverage in a tight space for Reese Hazlett. Incomplete. And actually, I was at practice the other day. That was the exact play they ran and couldn't have run it any better. But Oregon State had an extra defender towards Hazlett so they could read, run, or pass, and they had it covered well. Hazlett, big target, 6'3", 240 in the back of the end zone. The rollout design is kind of like, you know, Joe Montana in that famous play because he's rolling out to the right. But with Fleming, a lot of times he's going to run the football in that situation. But it wasn't open to run, and actually Hazlett was not open in the back of the end zone. Good defense by the Beavers. Second down and goal from the 7-yard line. Same look with Hilliard in the backfield. They'll put Deatter looking like a tight end. He may slide in motion. Norris to the right. Inside handoff to Hilliard. He'll try to turn the corner, and he gets maybe to the 6-yard line. Gain of a yard. So third and goal from the 6. The Hornets tried a little misdirection there, starting right, then veering left. Now you've got two plays from six yards to get in. Yeah, I know listeners are going, why do you run the football? You haven't been running it effectively all day. They basically faked a runoff, a light, right tackle on the play, and sent some receivers that direction and tried to do a misdirection run to try and catch the defense over pursuing. It's almost a trick run play. Because I could, I could picture people in the audience going, don't run. So now it's third down for the Hornets. All 40,000-plus on their feet here for Oregon State, trying to preserve a victory. They're in overtime. Third and goal for the Hornets at the six. Down by seven. In OT, Fleming looks right, throws that direction. It's caught! It's caught by Brandon Reed. Touchdown! Penalty flag comes in as well. We'll have to see about this, but what a gorgeous catch by Reed. It is going to be pass interference, looks like, on Oregon State. Yeah, I thought Reed got grabbed, and he still got through it and stretched out his arms. Now, hopefully it's not pushing off on Reed. I did not see that. 
it is defense. I saw the push, and I didn't know if it was in retaliation or if it was Reed. So that is defensive penalty, touchdown Hornets. So the Hornets are within one. Now the extra point. So Reed gets his second touchdown, third touchdown pass by Fleming. And now Denia is on for the critical extra point to force a second overtime. No time on the clock. Remember, we're in OT. Beavers lead 28-27. Deniz ready to kick the extra point for the tie. The Hornets are changing the play. They're going to go for two. They are going for two in the win. How about this? Fleming from the shotgun. Oregon State may call a timeout. They want it. And Oregon State got it. Wow, the Hornets were going for two in the win. Mike Riley called for the timeout. They sent Deniz in motion. Fleming was the holder. He then popped up in shotgun, yep. and they were going for the knockout blow. I fully expected that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it just in case they're listening to us, but I fully expected that. And the Hornets didn't snap the ball immediately. It seems like they might have given Oregon State an opportunity to call that timeout. Boy, and Mike Riley was jumping up and down on the far side. Oh, man, both coaches have had heart attacks in the last five minutes. Let's check in with Danny. He was on the backside there checking out maybe if that was going to be extra point. What would you see, Danny? He knew immediately from my angle down here that it was going to be a trick play. And when he popped up, Coach Riley could not get down the, the sideline quick enough. We almost thought if they did not put the motion in, the Hornets could have got the playoff. And now at this point, guys, I mean, Deniz is still out there. I mean, I would think they, would, they were trying to catch him off guard. They're going for the extra point here, aren't they? I, I don't no. think so. I, no, think they're they're going going I think they have to go for Good it. Good for the Hornets. They're going, they're going for, for the they win. They have to go for the win. They right? are going for the win, everybody. Wow. The Hornets are bringing their entire offensive unit. Here it is. Can oh, Sacramento State pull off the upset? Okay, folks. Here it is. They have never defeated an FBS team. The Big Sky has a record of losing 48 consecutive times, and the Hornets are going for it. They're going for the win. This place is shocked. They place the ball at the two-and-a-half-yard line. They're down by one. This for the biggest win in school history. From the two-and-a-half-yard line, they need to get across the end line. Fleming gets the snap. He looks right. It's a fade pattern towards Reed. He caught it! He caught it! Touchdown for two! The Hornets have won! I cannot believe it! The Hornets have won! I cannot believe it at all! They roll the dice, and they come up huge. Sacramento State has shocked the world! They go for two and convert it. Brandon Reed with the catch, and the Hornets have stormed the field and have stunned Oregon State. What a moment. One of my favorite moments broadcasting Hornet football was the go for two, gutsy call by Marshall Spurbeck, get the win, get out of there, and just such a fantastic feeling. Now, the very next year, the Hornets go again into the Pac-12 and they're getting Colorado on the road, got down early, responded, and pulled off yet another upset. Basically, you got to make sure you've got enough to get a kick in. And right now, they don't want to try this field goal. This would be too far. It's second down and 10. A minute and seven seconds left. 28-27. Colorado with the lead. Hornets trying to pull off a major, major upset. Well, I don't know where Danny is down there, but how many butterflies, how much energy, what... What does it feel like to be on the field right now with a chance to win with a minute to go? It's exactly what you want, where you want to be. This is where the team wants to be. This is that's all you can ask for. You have a minute 13. You're driving. You have a chance to win, win a big game like this that you're not expected to, be, to win. What else, what else can there be? This is college football at its best right now. It sure is. And to play on a picturesque side, a Pac-12 yep. team, get paid $460,000. But needing to finish yep. the deal, I'm looking down at the uh, – Oh, sideline. I saw Garrett Saffron yeah, getting taken in. He's okay. I'll tell you something. If you have a play where Saffron runs because he's such a great runner here, 
They've been running the little slants and the little short patterns. Saffron might be able to run to get them into field goal range because right now they're not in comfortable field goal yeah. range. The 35-yard line is a 52-yard field goal. Yeah, you would try it. It's just not ideal. Second down and 10, though. They've got another timeout. Ball is between the two hash marks. The Colorado 35. Ellis is in. He's the tailback. Saffron to throw. Looks on the crossing route. A lot of contact early. Here it is. Penalty flag. Backside judge. It's the same play. The fans don't like it, but it's the right call intended for Justin Cox. First down, Hornets. They're getting there early. And... Look at John Henry. Little slant routes, and the receiver has the inside position, so in order to get to the ball, the defensive back has to hit the receiver. Now, again, the Hornet receiver instantly curled up into a ball as if he was injured. And on the replay, it certainly is contact early. The defensive back is just out of position and needs to go through the receiver to get to the ball. Well, John Embry, head coach of Colorado in his second season, oh. is absolutely yeah. livid. Well, and you can't be more frustrated if you're a coach because – what what can the DB do? You know, he, and it's Crowley again. So, new set of downs, most importantly, Steve, and a minute nine left. That does advance them inside the 30 to the 28. So, now you're talking about around a 45-yard field goal. 15-14, and the Hornets have no play with 13-12-11. They've got to run out and run a play. You're almost better 10, off. 10-7. Yeah. Just, just snap the ball. It doesn't matter. Throw it away. You don't want to use your timeout here. Down to three. Down to two on first and ten. Saffron gets the snap. Looks left, crossing around, throws over the middle, and it's caught by Morris Norris. He's wrestled down by Orms inside the 20 to the 17-yard line. First down, Hornets. A minute and four seconds to go. First down for the Hornets, dead center of the field, in field goal range, trailing by one. Clock is running, 55 seconds left. All of it is is crossing patterns. All of it is stuff over the middle where they get inside position on the defensive backs. Every play on this drive. Colorado's going to take a timeout. I think they needed this. And they're trying, to, for a couple of reasons, get their defense regrouped and, if the Hornets were to score, leaving the Buffalo some time if they can. But it's 28-27. Remember where the ball is here. I think it's, what, the 18-yard line. So it's about a 35-yard field goal attempt. Castaneda's made a couple today. And, uh, you know, the Hornets... There's nothing better, and it's no offense on any kicker. The all-time great kickers, you never want to put it on a kicker. So the best you can do, if you can get this thing in the end zone, whether it be pure elation on that Hornet sideline. Yeah, there, there's nothing more tense than the snap spot kick. And uh, you can't repeat that in practice. They try all the things. Oh, They'll say it's game winner. Noise, it's, it, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that can quite recreate that atmosphere. It's, and, it's the eight-foot putt Yep. when you don't care versus... Yeah, it's, that's the perfect example. Anybody who's ever played just kind of taps the ball, not even looking, you make it, but you're sitting over it and needing the <laughs> score you want. It's just tough. So here we go. Timeout taken by Colorado. 55 seconds left in this football game. Hornets have the ball, first and 10. Actually, at the Buffalo I, 17. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if we saw a draw play. All right, we'll see. Ellis had a good first half. 10 carries for 74 yards. He's on the right hip. Of the quarterback, Saffron. Here is that handoff to Ellis. Ellis knifes his way inside the 15. He is stacked up. No whistle. Now they do at the 14. And I think the timeout's going to be taken by John Embry again. 49 seconds left. So the Hornets are definitely centering the ball. Someone lost their helmet. Oh, the Hornets. Ah, that's Ellis. So he's got to come out. But that might have been thrown off by a player. But regardless, unless the referees deem that, he's got to come out. So second timeout taken by Colorado. We'll keep it here. One timeout left for each team. 49 seconds left. And the Hornets have it deep into Colorado territory at the 14. Yes, yeah, so the officials yep. are saying it was not uh, defender-induced, so he has to come out. 
So second down and seven, 49 seconds left. The Hornets last year were able to beat Oregon State, certainly one of the biggest wins they have ever had, 29-28. They're looking at a score where they'd love to see it, 30-28, 34-28, maybe 35 if they try for two, who knows. They just want some more points on that scoreboard. This fourth quarter started with the Hornets trailing 28-24. They've added a field goal, and now they've got a second down and seven. First down would be at the seven-yard line. For the Hornets on second down here. They need to get to the 7 for the first down. Ball's inside the 15-yard line at the 14. Right now it would be a 31-yard field goal. It is between the hash marks, center of the field. First down, or second down for Saffron. Saffron's just going to keep it. Saffron to the outside of the 15. Lowers his shoulder, gets hit hard by Orms. Down to the 13-yard line. And with 40 seconds left, the, or 41, the final timeout taken by Colorado. So here's your situation. See, this is the play to see how aggressive the Hornets want to be. And they're probably going to try to be as smart with the football as you obviously can, but it might come down to the foot of Edgar Castaneda because the Hornets yeah. would likely take it down to the closing well, seconds. And I know what the play call is here because the ball now is on the left hash mark, and most right-footed kickers do not like a ball on the left hash mark from this close. So that kind of makes you think that the Hornets are, you know, would normally just run the ball to center it in the field, Jason, to be honest. And the Hornets, with their one timeout left, wouldn't have to really use it because there's 44 seconds to go. But usually in the situation, you center the ball. What's it like down there on the field right now, Danny? Because it's got to be pretty exciting, pretty tense. It is exciting right now. And, it, and you're just you're kind of wondering what play is uh, Coach Peterson going to call up on this third down? Just because either you go to center the ball or do you try to run and try to get the first down? Or what, or what are you going to do? It's going to be a great call at this time. I, in my opinion, it's the kicker's decision on this play. The kicker gets to make the play call. Because if you throw an incomplete pass, they're going to put the ball back where you were. Also, if you think about an incomplete pass, you're aggressive if you try to pass, but you also do leave a little bit of time left. I mean, there is 44 seconds to go. And if the Hornets do run, you got to believe they will probably try to center the ball. Yep. Kicking team, be ready. Be ready to run on the field, kicking team, because they're going to want to run the clock down. Nope. No timeouts for Colorado. And just one left for the Hornets. Third and five. Norris is a receiver to the far side. He's about 40 yards away from the play, 30 yards away from where the line, the ball is on the left hash. DeAndre Carter's receiver to the near side. Maceal and Broadnax the tight end. A.J. Ellis is the tailback. So it's third down and a solid five yards for the Hornets at the 12-yard line. They'll center it. Saffron just creeps to the right and takes a knee. So it's going to go to Edgar Castaneda. Can the Hornets get a game-winning field goal? They may take this down as low as they can and actually call a timeout and leave just a few seconds to go. There's 32 on the play clock, 32 on the game clock, so the Hornets can take this down all the way down. It's fourth down, so you can't you know, run that extra play if you make a mistake. So the Hornets can run it all the way down to one second if they want to. So it's all going to come down to this. Snap, hold, and kick. But the Hornets have put themselves in a spot to win for the second straight year against the Pac-12 team. There's seven seconds left. When will Marshall Spurbeck call the timeout? It's down to five, down to four, it's down to three. Wow. Well, it's down to one, but they, we'll see if they give them two or one second. But this is it. Wow. <laughs> timeout is taken. Officially, they have left one second on the clock. So Edgar Castaneda, who won the kicking job in a battle with Runke, made two kicks last week. He's made a couple of kicks today, and I would – venture to say this is the biggest kick of his life. 
<laughs> I would say, uh, yeah, ventured not too far to get that conclusion. He's going to kick it from the 20-yard line. It's a 30-yard field goal. Distance means nothing. Wind means nothing. If you look at the flags on the goalpost, they're barely trickling. So there's no factor as far as field condition. There's no factor in weather. There's no factor in wind. The factor is snap, spot, kick on the way. And almost the entire Hornet sideline linked arm and arm, ready to race the field if they can do it and pull off the upset. The field goal for the win if the Hornets can do it. Mag will be the holder. The snapper is Bobek, Castaneda, to try to give the Hornets a win. It's a 30-yarder for the victory. Here comes the snap. It's placed down. The kick is on the way. The kick is up. It's good! Sacramento State storms the field for the second straight year. They have shocked the Pac-12. They are storming the field. Castaneda, the hero, and the Hornets win it. 30 to 28. Danny Sullivan, our sideline reporter, failed to do his job. Danny, I always look at you on the field goal, and you just ran on the field. <laughs> you weren't getting me this time on YouTube. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I looked for him to raise his arms, and I knew the kick was good because Danny ran onto the field, and the goalpost is coming down here, and the Hornets have an amazing victory, $460,000 and a W. Wow. 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 Colorado has never been sweeter to the Hornets. They're ripping down both goalposts. The Hornets want to take it with them if they can as they win again 30-28. to This game started on a 14-0 deficit. Looked like they were out for dead, but they rally and they found themselves a kick or two. We're about 50 minutes from the airport. Our plane doesn't leave till 9 o'clock at night. I think we're all just going to fly solo to the airport we're just we don't need a bus we don't need anything what a fantastic football game on a beautiful day and an ideal finish for the hornets unbelievable i mean for me those have been some of the best moments in the history of broadcasting games for sacramento state uh they've also come in the most recent years when the hornets won the big sky title in 2019 going undefeated last year capping it with a causeway win eight no in the conference so those great moments hopefully there's more ahead and maybe there's one this weekend uh, as the Hornets play up at the FBS to take on this Colorado State team. Now, the uh, conference has uh, faced the Mountain West multiple times, including a win by Weber State. Weber State got a just a thrashing of Utah State a couple weeks ago, 35-7. to So it is possible. Usually you don't blow them out. Last year um, you had Colorado State playing South Dakota State, who the Hornets faced in the playoffs, and South Dakota State got them pretty good too. So, these things are very, very possible, but it's going to take a good performance from the Hornets this week. As far as the conference goes, let's wrap things up on today's podcast with a look ahead for the Big Sky this week. Some games to watch. You get some conference games going on uh, for sure. Uh, Idaho State's at Northern Colorado. You have Montana State at Eastern Washington. Eastern has a really difficult schedule to begin with, so this is a really important home game for them as Montana State's coming off uh, playing an FBS team and losing. They're 2-1. and one. Idaho is at Northern Arizona, Portland State at Montana, and then you've got Weber State at 3-0 looking really good, taking on UC Davis. That one will be at UC Davis Health Stadium. So that's the week ahead. Of course, all our eyes are going to be at Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins, Colorado, as Sacramento State will take on Colorado State. We'll be back next week to recap that, look ahead to the start of the Big Sky play as the Hornets will get Cal Poly. So much to get to next week, but we thank you for listening. Again, subscribe, tell a friend, let Hornet Nation know that we're out there. 
and uh, we really do appreciate it. Well, that's it. That's it for me, Jason Ross. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of Sacramento State Football's Stingers Up Football Podcast. See you.